If you're a guest with us here today, I just want you to know you're in a place where you can come stumbling in, you can come broken, you can come as you are and be accepted and find grace and find mercy from a God who loves you just as you are. He loves you. He has no plans of letting you stay where you are, but he loves you just as you are. And if you'll walk with him, he'll transform your life. That's the kind of place you're in today. Can we give God glory today for that? Isn't that awesome? Amazing grace. We're in a series right now called Relentless Pursuit, and, and I want to I start this way. I want to I ask you a question. Have you ever been on a relentless pursuit before? Have you ever pursued something with all of your heart? Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was a spouse. I pursued Jackie that way at Liberty. Man, I was relentless. I was focused. I knew I wanted to marry her. <laughs> Maybe it was a car. It's a guy thing. You know what I'm saying, guys? Maybe you've relentlessly pursued a car and you've saved up cash and made sacrifices or motorcycle or something like that. I'm too big of a wimp to, to pursue the motorcycle, but some of you are courageous enough to do that. Some of you ladies are courageous enough to do that. You ever just pursue something with all of your heart? I have a friend who's, um, who's pursuing winning a title uh, for a, body build, a bodybuilding contest. He's got a bodybuilding contest in about 30 days. And uh, he's, just, he's, just, he's just ripped. He's just this guy. He's just massive. And, and, uh, and so I, we were, I was talking to him the other day. I'm like, you know, talk to me about this pursuit. You know, like, what, what, how has it changed your life? And, and what have you had to do in order to try to win this, this competition? You know, it's pretty, pretty intense. He said, well, I've got I've to do 35 minutes of cardio at 5 o'clock in the morning. Then, uh, you know, after work, I've got to go and do a, a serious, you know, workout with the weights. Then, then after that, later, later that night, I've got to do, do another 45 minutes of cardio. And, and, uh, and I've had to change my entire diet. You know, he said, I haven't had a slice of pizza in 60 days. I thought, are you sick? <laughs> pizza, I mean, in any shape or form is absolutely delightful, don't you think? 60 days, no pizza. You know what I'm saying? What kind of sacrifice is that? See, isn't it true that when you're relentlessly pursuing something, you're willing to make some crazy sacrifices, right? You're willing to do things you normally wouldn't do because you are relentlessly seeking that thing. And why do we relentlessly pursue things? Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it because we think that thing is extremely valuable? I mean, would we seek after that thing if we didn't think it was valuable? No, we wouldn't, right? Like, I, I think it would be cool to win a bodybuilding contest, but I don't want to. <laughs> so I'm not relentlessly pursuing, uh, you know, winning a bodybuilding contest. You know, I, I like pizza too much. You know, I like, I like sleep too much, you know. <laughs> I'm not willing to put forth the effort and sacrifice to, to do those things that my friend is willing, is willing to do. Isn't that interesting? You know, I, I, we're, at, we're in a series right now talking about, you know, our church and what we're all about and our DNA and where God wants to take us in the future. And what we've said as a church is the reason that, the reason that I believe that God's favor is resting upon our church is because we've simply tried to align our heart and will with the heart and will of God. And, and all that means is that we've, we've said, God, I want to open up the scriptures and, and whatever we find in there that is your heart, we want to try to get with that program. Like, we don't want to create a program on our own. Like, that's crazy. Like, you would not bless that. Your favor would not be upon that. We, we, we don't want to go at this thing by ourselves. We want to do what you want to do in the world. And so when we open up the scriptures, here's what we find. It's, it's absolutely amazing. We find this invitation to relentlessly pursue 
God. And your notes, that's your first fill-in. God wants you to relentlessly pursue him. For the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how God is relentlessly pursuing us. Right? We looked at Luke chapter 15. He's relentlessly pursuing our transformation. That was last week. He wants us to become new people. Those are absolutely true. And so we've tried to align our heart and will with those things. But then we come to this third thing, that, that, that he wants us to relentlessly pursue him. He's pursuing us, but he wants us to pursue him. You say, is that in the Bible? Check it out. Check it out. Psalm 105, verse 4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence. How often? In the morning? Late at night when you do your devotions? Continually. All the time. Seek me. The prophet Jeremiah said it this way. Jeremiah 29, 13. Some of you have been around Christianity for a while. This verse is familiar to you. Listen to this. You'll seek me. Same same word that the psalmist used in Psalm 105. You will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with half your heart. With all of your heart. In other words, God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah, you will find me when you search for me with everything you got. When you're willing to not eat pizza for 60 days. When you're willing to get up at 5 a.m. When you're willing to stay up late. When when you put your whole heart into seeking me, that's when you're going to find me. Now, let me just point out the reality that, at least in my life, I don't live that way. I don't live that way. I don't seek the Lord and his strength and seek his presence continually. I don't seek God with all my heart all the time. Now, I have moments. I have moments where I'm all about God and I'm all focused in on him and I'm seeking him with what seems to be everything I got. But continually, all the time, relentlessly pursuing him? No, no. And if you're honest with yourself, would you admit that that's the same with you? Right? That you are pursuing other things, perhaps, more so than you're pursuing God? Why don't we pursue God like, like the, way, the, the way that God invites us to pursue him and seek him? Isn't it, tr- isn't it because we don't understand his value? Isn't it because we don't understand what, what we're really dealing with when, we, when we're dealing with God? Like, isn't it true that we only pursue things, in your notes there, isn't it true that we only seek and search for things that we know have value? Isn't that true? Think about the, re- the remote control for a second. Like, when you can't find it, what happens? Yeah. And then what happens? You search for it until what happens? And who do you get to help? The rugrats. The yahoos. The gremlins. We call them children sometimes. Get down here. Because they were the last ones who had it. Get under the couch. Get in the backyard. I don't know where it is. You do. <laughs> but Papa wants to watch the news and then go to the NBA playoffs. See? When something has value, what happens? We search for it until we find it. Now, I have a, I have a high school yearbook. It's, it's back at home in New York. Well, I call that home. A home is here. I'm a Hoosier now, but my mom still lives in New York. And, and that high school yearbook is somewhere in her attic. Am I searching for that? Heck No. You know, it's not, why? Because it's not valuable, right? You have things in your life that are lost. You're not searching for them. They're not valuable. Could that mean that we're not seeking after God with all of our heart because we don't understand really who he is or what we're dealing with when we deal with God? Could that be true? I think it is. And so what we find is that we're seeking other things 
more than we're seeking God and searching for God because we don't understand who he really is. What we end up doing is something terrible. We end up settling. We settle. What do, we, what do I mean by that? We settle for something lesser than God. You know, I don't know, a vacation, um, a couple glasses of wine. Um, you know, for me, it's my son excelling in basketball. <laughs> you see, if I'm not going to have God, if I'm not going to find God, if God is not going to be the source of my joy and happiness, the next best thing or close to it is seeing my son grab 10 rebounds and score 22 points. That's pretty awesome. See? And so what I find myself, I'm, I'm going to a game right after this talk, 125. I'm going to leave church right here. I'm going to go to a basketball game. And I'm going to sit in the stands and I'm going to go, God, why? In my heart, I'm going to be seeking something. We're always seeking something. What I find myself do is settling, settling, settling for the lesser. Now, is basketball evil? No. I mean, come on. Now, things can get dark and twisted here, which is why so many millions of Americans are addicted to either methamphetamines or heroin or pornography or alcohol. Of course, the idea that, that uh, we're settling can get very, very dark. And for some of you today, it's very dark. Because you, you're not seeking God. You're seeking the pleasure that comes from subtypes of substance or illegal activity in your life. Why? Because you're designed for happiness. I mean, it's written into our stinking constitution. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of See, the, even the founders, they understood the human beings. They were designed for happiness. We're designed for fulfillment. So if I'm not going to seek the Lord and his presence and seek him continually until I find him, why? Because in him I find true happiness and joy. If I'm not going to do that, I am going to seek something else. And guess what? So will you. Do you agree with this? Doesn't that explain our lives? Why you went down this path or that path or this path or that path? Because you were seeking something, a relationship, fulfillment, satisfaction at some level in your life, and it wasn't God? Yeah, it does. We settle. C.S. Lewis said it this way, we are far too easily pleased. He's talking about pursuing alcohol and sexual pleasure and, and, and other things, money and ambition. That's the context of which he said this statement. We are far too easily pleased. He's, we, we settle for the lesser. So you and I were not designed to be fulfilled and satisfied by anything this world has to offer. We're actually designed and satisfied the way our soul is built. We're going to talk about this in a series to come in a, few, in, a, in a month or two, in a month actually, about the soul. The soul is designed to be satisfied and fulfilled by God himself. And when you open the Bible, again, that's what we're going to do every week. We're going to open the Bible. We're going to look into it. That's what we see. Listen to the psalmist, Psalm chapter 4, verse 7. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. Now, what does that mean? If we put this verse into today's world, what, what, what the psalmist is really saying is, God, you have given me more joy and more happiness and more satisfaction than those who make millions of dollars and have enough buy, money to buy everything their hearts desire. Like, I have more joy than they do. Sometimes I read the psalms and I go, God, I wish I knew you that way. I wish I could say that. I wish I, and there are moments where I can, but, but, but there are far too few moments. Because what I find myself thinking all too often is, man, if I just had some more money, <laughs> then I could buy some stuff and go some places and go do some things, and I'd really be like living the American dream. And I'm a pastor. So I can't believe he's admitting that. Well, I know. I'm messed up. I really am. 
And if you're honest, you are too. But the psalmist knew God in a different way. The, the psalmist knew God in a way I, I hope to know God. That God, the people who have millions and millions of dollars and can buy whatever they want, like they have a level of happiness and satisfaction, but compared to knowing you and the joy that comes from knowing you and seeking you and finding you, it's nothing. <laughs> Listen to another passage in Psalm 73. This is really all over the Psalms, but just, I'll just show you too. The psalmist says, who do I have in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Again, I'll read that and I'll just say to myself, wow, nothing on earth that I desire besides you? Is that really true about me? Is that really true about you? Can I sit down and say, God, there's nothing on this earth that I desire besides you? God, I can't say that. There's lots of things I desire. I desire to retire wealthy. I desire that my children go to college and and, and." It'd be awesome if they went on athletic scholarships. <laughs> I desire this, I desire that, I desire. And the psalmist says, God, compared to knowing you, there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you because there's nothing that compares to you. That is why Jesus, well, we'll get to Jesus in a moment. That is why Jeremiah and the psalmist say, seek the Lord, seek his strength. Seek his presence continually. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you search me with all your heart. Why? What's the invitation about seeking all about? Here's what it's all about. It's about you finding the joy and satisfaction that you were created for that nothing in this world could give to you. Now, I don't know how to get myself there. I'm there moment to moment through the day or through the week. I don't know necessarily how to get myself there permanently where each and every day I have one focus and that is to seek the Lord and his strength and to seek his presence continually. I just know that that's what I'm called to. And I'm trying with all my effort to lead all of you there. Why? Because when I open the scriptures, that's what it says. Seek the Lord and his strength. Like God is the treasure. He's the source of happiness and joy. There's lots of things we could talk about from this platform. Trust me. Lots of things. We could, we could talk about politics. We could talk about what's going on in Baltimore. We could, I, I, all those things go through my mind. Lots of things I could talk about from this platform. But when I, when I open up the Bible, I see, I see this invitation to seek the Lord and his presence continually. And see, here's, what, here's what's true about me and here's what's true about you. In, in, in your notes there, in the next, next, next slide, when you and I are convinced that God is what we need, we will seek him. That's what's true. Like I, when, in the moments when I have the most clarity in my life and I'm convinced that God, you, are, you can give me more joy than those who have everything this world has to offer, that's when I begin to pursue him with all of my heart because I'm convinced he is what I need. See, I'm convinced in my life that this cell phone is what I need. And uh, if you know, uh, if you have a smartphone, you know that your email is connected to that. You know that your Twitter accounts, your Facebook accounts, all that stuff is, it's really not a, it's really not a phone, is it? It's a little mini computer. So you live off of these things now. So what happens when this thing gets lost? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's all kinds of like, everything stops, right? Until you, until what? Until you find it, correct? See, I'm convinced when I, when I need God as much as I need my stupid phone, I will search for him until I find him, and so will you. 
So let's get to Jesus really quick. What did he say about all this? He always has something really good to say. If you read the, I mean, you should love, love Jesus. He just says such awesome stuff. Listen to this. Psalm, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6. He says, hey, here's the deal. Seek first, before you seek anything else, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all this other stuff, all these other things, they'll be added to you. What is he talking? What's the other stuff? Food and clothing and shelter and money and all these things that everybody else is seeking after that God knows you need. Before you seek all that stuff, I want you to seek my kingdom. What, is, what does he mean by that? To seek the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Well, it's this thing that's so valuable that it's worth you losing everything. You say, really? Did Jesus teach that? Absolutely. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, or if a woman finds, covers it up. Then in his what? In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What, Jesus? What, like, what are you talking about? Jesus is saying that that the kingdom is so valuable, it's worth you seeking it because because the kingdom of God is more valuable than all of your stuff. Now, I've got some pretty cool stuff. I don't have a lot of stuff, but I've got some pretty cool stuff. Jesus would say the kingdom is so much better than your stuff that you ought to be willing, not not that you should actually do this, but you ought to be willing to go and sell it all to get the kingdom. What does that say about the kingdom of God? It is the greatest treasure on earth earth and that is why we ought to seek it because it is so valuable in fact a disciple if you want to really become a disciple of jesus you really have to become what's the word ravished overwhelmed with the value of the kingdom and when that takes place everything else falls in line so what is the kingdom what's the treasure of the kingdom two things number one is the treasure of god You get God. See, a kingdom has a king, and the king is Jesus. King Jesus. When you enter into the kingdom, you get King Jesus in your life. And what could be better? The king of kings and the Lord of lords comes to take up residence in your soul by means of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus himself? That's right. He comes to make his home inside your hearts. One day, one day Jesus was talking to a woman at the well who had been chasing after men her whole life. She had five husbands and she was working on her sixth. Jesus looks at her and he looks at the well and he says, you know what, whoever drinks of this water again is going to be thirsty, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again. See, what will happen is that this water will bubble up inside of them and it'll, it'll become a spring welling up to eternal life. What in the world is he talking about? You ever wonder that sometimes? Jesus, like, hello, can you, can you talk in regular language that I can understand here? Like, what water are you talking about here, you know? Uh, in fact, the lady didn't even understand what he was talking about. She says, you don't even have anything to draw water with. You know, where, where are we going to get this water from? She didn't get it. What, what Jesus was talking about was his very spirit, that when you drink in the spirit of God, when you, when you possess the spirit of God, it satisfies you at a soul level to where you never thirst Again, what does that mean? You're no longer driven by unsatisfied desire. You find what you're finally looking for. That is the treasure of the kingdom, God himself. Now, there's a way to learn how to drink from that fountain, and we all have to learn that, and I'm going to try to show you how to do that in just a few moments. But the treasure, first of all, is God himself. The treasure is also, number two, 
It's being part of what God is doing. See, kingdom has a king, and a king has a will. And the king wants to do things in the world. In fact, he's constantly doing things in the world. And so the invitation to enter into the kingdom, which is the way Jesus would say it, excuse me, which is the way Jesus would say it, he would say, come and turn into the kingdom, repent and come into the kingdom. That is an invitation for you to jump on board with what God is doing in the world. He literally wants to partner with you to create change in the world. You know, I, I was trying to think of an illustration for this, and this is probably a silly one, but I, I, this is the way my brain works sometimes. You know, I was thinking about the Bulls, which won six titles years ago with Michael Jordan as their leader. You remember that? Anybody remember that? Pretty awesome time in the history of the world. <laughs> and uh, by the way, how many does LeBron have? I don't think he has six. I think it's two. Anyway, the Bulls... The Bulls stopped winning championships, not because some other team came in and said, okay, we're going to dethrone you. They stopped winning championships because they decided to stop playing basketball. And they all went their separate ways. So what, what, what would happen if, if, like, the old owner of the Bulls called me up, said, hey, Danny, you know, we want to kind of take, take the throne back, get, get Mike and Scottie Pippen back, get John Paxson, get the boys back, and we want to invite you to become part of, of beating the young, the young guns who think they're all that. Would you join us? <laughs> now, of course, that's never going to happen. But can you imagine? Can you imagine if I got that call and I got to work with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen? What would my life be like? Huh? Oh, my. Somebody said boring. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. I happen to think it would be quite exciting. I was the kid that grew up singing, if I could be like Mike, you know, that was my tune for, in my head. Anyway, um, but, but that, that, that illustration is, is probably a stupid one. I'm sure it is. But, but the reality is that's literally what God is doing. He's saying, hey, I want you to join me in doing my work in the world and bring healing and wholeness and love and comfort and encouragement to people in this world who are hurting and dying. Will you partner with me? To bring some goodness into this world. Will, will, will you join up with me? There, that is the invitation of the kingdom. And it, there's no greater way to live this life. You get, here's the kingdom, ready? You get, this is why we're told to seek it. And it's, a, it's like a treasure. You get God and you get to partner with God in this world. Isn't that exciting? Now, once you see the value of that, you are willing to like, sell everything you have to join him on that mission. So let me ask you a question, and, and we'll kind of wrap this thing up here real quick. How do we access the kingdom? Like, that, all that's good, and you, I just explained to you what the kingdom is. It's God, and it's partnering with God, and we seek God with all our heart, all this stuff, and we understand his value. We're really going to seek him. But how do you actually do it? How do you access the kingdom? And I'm, I'm trying to live this stuff out in my life, so I'm not, tr- I'm not, I'm not putting something before you that is, 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 is a theory uh, or something like that. I'm not trying to educate you. I'm trying to show you this. This is practically speaking, uh, uh, like when you leave today, this is what you have to do. Number one, how do you access the kingdom, live in the kingdom? You have to take the words of Scripture into your mind and heart. I constantly talk about this. You have to literally memorize and meditate on the scriptures because the scriptures are a slice of God's mind. And when you begin to see life the way he sees it, you begin to see what he wants to do in your own heart and in your neighbor's heart. 
You begin to see what, what his will is. The king, the kingdom has a king, and the king has an agenda, and you begin to become aware of the agenda that the king has because you're taking his words into your mind and into your heart. You know what he wants to do in your life, and you begin to understand what he wants to do in your spouse's life, in your children's life, and in the world. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 12. <clears throat> He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I left this part out last week, verse 2. Watch this. Then, after you renew your mind, you will be able to approve what is God's will. His good and pleasing and perfect will. How do, we, how do I discover God's will? How do I discern what he wants to do in my life and in this world? I have to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. I have to become a new person by taking the scriptures into my mind and into my heart. And if you're not doing that, guess what? You're not going to be tapping into the kingdom. You have no idea what God is up to in this world. You have no idea how to experience him and draw life from him or partner with him in this world. Number two, you have to begin to practice solitude. Man, you've got to get away from people. <laughs> Some of you, that, that, you resonate with that. You're like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I've got to get away from some people in my house. <laughs> uh, I understand that. I do. Um, he, see, here's what happens with people. And, I, and, and of course, we're called, to, we're called to engage people primarily. But there are times where you need to get away from people. Here's why. Because people, what do they do? They pull on you with their agenda. Right? As soon as I walk through the door, my kids have an agenda. Daddy, Daddy, read this, look at this, watch this, play me, engage me. Right? So there's an agenda, 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 always an agenda. Well, if, if I'm always subject to people, always, if I'm always available 24-7, everyone's agenda is going to be my agenda. That is why I need to get away from people so that I can tune in and dial into whose agenda? The king. Let's call it what it is. It's a kingdom. I'm living in the kingdom. My responsibility is to find out what the king wants to do. What's your agenda? That can only happen in solitude when I'm away from people, when I can hear what the king wants to do. You with me? And that's why every Friday I, I practice solitude. That's my day off. I'm unavailable. I'm, it's hard to find me unless you find me at a Starbucks somewhere. <laughs> And if you find me at a Starbucks on somewhere on Friday, leave me alone. <laughs> now, now I, I'm, I'm half joking. I'm half joking. But <laughs> so what am I trying to do? I'm, try, I'm trying to be unavailable so that I can right here. What? When? How? Who? See? Solitude. Right behind that, a close cousin, is silence. Silence is, is, is basically completing solitude. And this is a little bit more difficult in our world because our world is very noisy. And silence is basically when you stop talking and when people stop talking to you. And all of the voices settle so that the one voice can rise. Whose voice? The voice of the king. Can rise above all the other voices, all the chatter Facebook and Twitter and friends and radio and television and blah, 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 all the voices. See, if your life is like mine, it's a lot like those things that you get for Christmas uh, where you shake them up and, and they're in the water and, and the sprinkles fall after you make it still and it looks like it's snowing. That's not your life. All the time. Go, 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 do, 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 do. Like right after this, I got to go here. And then after that, I got to go there. 
And so our lives are scattered and all these voices chattering in our head, right? How am I supposed to dial into the king? How are you supposed to hear what he has to say and enjoy his presence and get orders from him and get insight from him? How? If you're always hearing voices. See, what you need to do is be still and know that he is God. And all of the snow and all the voices settle down and there's quiet and you can begin to hear what he has to say. You can begin to enjoy him, his presence and him alone and hear that one voice that you need to hear. How, we, how do we access the kingdom? We take the words into our mind. We practice solitude. We practice silence. Number four, we practice fasting. Fasting. We don't talk about a lot, a, this a lot. We don't hear a lot about fasting. But it's so powerful to dial us into the kingdom of God. See, there's two realities. There's two realities. There's the physical reality, the physical world. And you can, you, you, we live in the physical world with our five senses. We see, we touch, we taste, right? We hear these different things. And then there's the spiritual world, which is the kingdom of God. This is unseen. Paul said we walk by faith, not by sight. What did he mean? He meant we live in a physical world, but there's another dimension, the spiritual world, that is the kingdom of God that we must become aware of. Nothing helps us become more aware of the kingdom of God and what's going on in the spiritual realm better than fasting. You say, how does that work? Well, here's how it works. When you fast, and all fasting is is, 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 is denying yourself food for a certain period of time for, for spiritual purposes. That's what, that's what fasting is. Here's how it works. When you deny yourself food, you break your reliance upon the physical world. You say to the physical world, I don't need you. You say to the physical world, there's another world that I'm going to begin to draw resources from. See, we're such worldly people that we live off of the physical world in order to make it through our day, right? And when you fast, you're saying no to that. I'm going to draw life and resources and strength from the kingdom, from the king himself. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You with me? This is, this is not religion 101. This is religion 401. This is a little bit deep, Okay. There's another world out there. How do you tap into it? Through fasting. You teach yourself that, that this world is not all there is. You see, now there's some of you have hypoglycemia. You have other issues. You need to talk to a doctor before you fast. You can get yourself into some physical trouble. It's not, so, so I'm suggesting if before you practice fasting, you need to make sure that you're capable. Most of us are capable. Most of us can fast today. We'll be fine. We don't have physical issues. You're going to feel like you have physical issues. You're going to, you may not die, but you're going to feel like you're dying. You're not. In fact, if you, if you uh, hydrate properly, you can live for 40 days without food. Jesus did it. Moses did it. Okay? You're not going to die. You're, you're teaching your body to shut up, specifically your stomach. You ever tell your stomach to shut up? No. No, we don't, because our stomach is our master. Oh, oh it's, oh, it's time to eat. Okay, let's go eat. <laughs> I know that was stupid, but, but isn't that... Isn't that the journey from the couch to the fridge? Oh, oh, it's time. You know, we go. Because we're obeying our master. You, when, when you fast, you're, 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 telling, you're, you're telling Jesus is king. Jesus is in charge. There's another realm. There's another world. I'm going to obey the master. I'm not going to obey the master here. I'm going to obey the master. And, and what happens when you fast, it happens every time I do it, it is so powerful, I become aware of the reality of that other world, which is the kingdom of God, which is even more of a reality than the physical world. Fasting does that. Number five, look around. Look around. 
did a study years ago called Experiencing God. The gist of the study was this. God is always at work. Find out where he's working. Join him. I kid you not, because of that study, very simple, it's a long study, but the gist of it was, God is always working. Find out where he's working. Join him. I can tell you today, I'm, a pa- I'm the pastor of this church because I followed those very simple, that very simple advice from that study. God is at work. Discover where he's at work. Join him. Look around. What's powerful now is that you take the scriptures in your mind, you practice some solitude, you do some silence, you do some fasting, you're going to be able to see as you look around what God is doing. And then you're able to go, wow, I want to join in on that. I'm telling you what, this, there's things going on in this church, not just this church. I know there's other churches doing amazing things in this world, but, but we live right here in Greenwood, right? We live right here in, in this area in central Indiana. I mean, we're talking about Cartagena, Colombia, and Haiti. We're talking about maybe even going into Africa. There are crazy things going on here. Thousands of people have had their lives changed in the last two years, both here and overseas. Look around. Look around. And all we've done in this series is say, hey, will you join us? Will you join us? That's the question we've been asking. Will you join us? Will you look around and jump in? How do you do that? Five simple ways. Number one, pray. Pray. And don't underestimate the power of prayer. We're going to talk about this next week for Mother's Day. Prayer is powerful. The Bible says the prayer of the righteous person, James 5.16, is powerful and effective. Pray. Number two, serve. Get involved. Grab a towel. Follow Christ's example, some way, shape, or form. Number three, if you're not in a group, get in a group. That's where God is at work. Circles are better than rows. Spiritual transformation happens best in the context of intentional relationships. We say it constantly around here. If you've been in a group for a while now, man, take out that step and, and lead a group. Say, man, I, I know I'm not ready yet, or perhaps I'm not prepared, or I don't know enough. Okay, okay, come on, get over it. Move on, lead a group. Number four, relentlessly pursue your friends. Man, if we stop doing that, we're sunk. We're sunk. Because Jesus hung out with tax collectors and adulterers and sinners, and that's who he came for, right? And then number five, participate financially. Man, you do this, the, the, who knows what we're going to be able to do. Listen, the, the, the reality is, and I, I might be off on my percentages a tiny bit, but not much. And, and by the way, this isn't just for our church. It's for the church across North America. That The bills are paid by 35% of you. Let me say that again because it, it hurts my heart. The bills here at Emmanuel, the support that we give overseas, is done by about 35% of you. That means 75% of you are, are on, on a free ride. Now, that doesn't make me mad. That makes me sad. Because if you jumped in, if the 75% of you who are not joining in financially, if you decided to jump in, even in a small way, oh my gosh. what, what, What we could do, we wouldn't be launching a campus in Franklin. We'd be launching campuses if everyone decided to participate financially, even in a small way. You say, man, you're putting some pressure. No, I'm not. No, I'm not putting pressure. I want to invite you in. Remember what this is about. This is advancing the kingdom of God. This is about looking around, seeing where God is at work, and joining him. I want you, I want you to meet a few people that have decided to pray and serve and join a group and then lead a group and, and pursue their friends and participate financially. They've done all five of these things. I want you to hear their story. It's so powerful. My name is Ken Sharp. This is my wife, Gina. Uh, I got involved uh, at the Greenwood campus uh, in April of 2006. Uh, Gina and I had just started dating and uh, she, our, she was a member here and I got involved through her and started attending that way. Hi, I'm Mike Korn and this is my wife Linda and we became involved with Emmanuel uh, approximately 
what would you say, 16 years ago? My name is Nikki. Uh, my name is Craig. We started coming to the Greenwood campus after church hopping uh, around at some different churches and we came here uh, and we came once and we thought it was okay and then we decided to go uh, and visit some other churches but we ended up coming back uh, and starting attended regularly. Uh, we'd been going for about six months right? and um, we hadn't been involved anywhere yet. We'd just been kind of attending, kind of taking everything in, enjoying the talks. Uh, we hadn't been involved in small groups or anything like that before. And uh, we started hearing about Banta. Um, our initial reaction to the uh, Banta campus, um, we weren't on board initially. Uh, we were happy at Greenwood. We were doing well in our ministries. We didn't mind the drive. Uh, we definitely, like Gina said, we weren't on board with it. Uh, when they were giving out the t-shirt to the zip code, we didn't want a t-shirt. We didn't fill out the commitment card. When they started talking about Banta, we were really excited just because um, we hadn't really had a chance to get involved at the Greenwood campus yet. We had only been going for a little while and just kind of feeling the church out and seeing if it was somewhere that we wanted to make our church home. So when they started talking about the Banta campus, we kind of saw it as something that was like a fresh start, somewhere for us to kind of be involved from the beginning. Take ownership. Yeah, definitely. Be. That was huge for us is to be able to take ownership and feel um, really a part of our church. When we first heard the idea of the second campus, uh, I was excited. I think we both talked about it, making the decision to move to the Banta campus and help out with that launch. Linda and I both were involved at Greenwood in a couple different ways. We actually saw this as an opportunity to um, even get more involved. God started doing just uh, some things in our life and our hearts started opening up more and um, just seeing the campus being built three minutes from our home started getting us excited. And I think the, the thing that finally happened is uh, my sister at the time was unchurched and she lived in the Banta zip code and um, she called me and she said, your church is building a new campus in, in the area in Banta. And she said, when it's built, I want to start going. The turning point yeah, for both of it, us was, it really was. was, you know, Gina's sister, Marsha, wanting to go and it's like we had to uh, for her sake, and it's turned out great. I was excited about the band campus because I thought that I would be able to invite friends, which I have, and it would be closer for them to attend. I can tell you what we've seen in the last year and a half has just been nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, it's been phenomenal. Uh, I see new faces every week coming in, so we've got a chance to introduce ourselves to new folks. Probably the most exciting thing for me to do is to see a new family come in be, and that have kids, be able to take them over to the information center, get them registered, get the kids checked in, tell them a little bit about the church, maybe introduce them to some of the folks there uh, and just get them started. But then even more exciting than that is to see them come a second, third, fourth time. My advice to uh, people uh, that would be moving to the Franklin campus as we get ready to launch it would be don't be afraid, embrace it, uh, use this opportunity to start now identifying the people in your community that 
you can invite to the Franklin campus. I would ask people as we're getting ready to, to launch a, a, camp, a campus in Franklin, not to get hung up on seeing Danny on a video screen. Um, don't think about that aspect. Think about Danny bringing a message. My advice to people who are gonna be thinking about going to the Franklin campus um, would be to just, first of all, be open-minded. Um, and to, like we've talked about ownership, um, just really take that church and, and make it your own. It's in your community. I mean, it's in your backyard. And so, yeah, take ownership of that, you know, be excited. I would tell someone who might be thinking about it, step out of your comfort zone. Um, it's not all about you, it's about a ministry. If you're thinking about making that leap to Franklin, uh, I would say do it, uh, because God's probably tugging on your heart about that. When we see the numbers of people that are accepting Christ, it, it just really is, it's just, I just can't believe we ever hesitated. I mean, it's very exciting that Franklin is going to be the next site for Emmanuel. That's very exciting. Our church is here to reconcile people back to God. The message that God has given us is to each individual one of us is to say to the friends and family members and co-workers we have in our lives who don't know God, here's the message. Come back to God. Be reconciled to God. Find forgiveness in Christ. And that's the mission that our church is on. If you're reading the one-year New Testament, as, as many of us are, and every morning I read these same passages, the same ones you do, if you saw this morning's reading, it couldn't have been better. John chapter 3, this is what Jesus said. Some of you need to hear this message today as, as we close. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, words of Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We don't often talk about verse 17, but let me read it to you. Verse 17 says, the very next thing Jesus said, God sent his son, talking about himself, into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Powerful words. Some of you today, you need to be saved through Christ. Some of you today, you need to have your sins forgiven. You've heard me talk about it before. I've presented this message to you before. You've put it off. You've said no. Maybe the last five times you've heard it, you've said no in your heart. Jesus wants you to hear these words today, powerful words. The Son of Man was sent into this world that you might be saved through him. Why? Because he loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. If you'd like to put your faith in Christ today and receive eternal life, it's very simple. You just pray. You just talk to God. You ask him, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse my, my sin? I believe you died on the cross for me. Would you come into my life and give me eternal life? You just say it like you'd say it to me or say it to somebody else, but you're talking to Heavenly Father, you're talking straight to Jesus. If you'd like to do that right now, I'd ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And if you've already made that decision, pray for those who are making it right now. Say these words, he's listening. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, and I believe you did it because you love me. I believe your sacrifice on the cross was enough to wash away all my sin. I put my full confidence in you for eternal life. Make me your child today by faith. I receive you as my savior. 
And help me from this day forward to learn how to enjoy your presence and partner with you to fulfill your will in this world. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, what I'd like to do and what our church would like to do is put one of these one-year New Testaments in your hand as a gift from us to you. They're back here to my left. There's a table back here if you're in the balcony down front here. Back to my right, there's a table back there. All you'd have to do is go back there and say, hey, I prayed that prayer to receive Christ. Can I have one of those one-year Bibles? And they'll put one of these in your hands. I love these little Bibles because they, it takes you right to the date. You go to May 3rd. It gives you a little five-minute reading. I read these same passages every day. It's a great way for you to get started reading God's Word. Can we give God glory for what He's done today? Hey, as you leave here, as you leave here, hey, access the kingdom, Right? Like, live in the kingdom. Enjoy, enjoy God. Maybe practice some solitude today. Get away from people. Maybe get some silence somehow, some way. Right? Maybe even you try a fast today. Maybe you just take Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and you memorize it today. Take his words into your heart and mind. And you look around and see what God is doing. Access the kingdom today. It's the greatest way to live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the invitation through Jesus, that we get to live with you, enjoying your presence. Your presence is heaven to us. There's nothing like it. It's the, it's the living water, water that satisfies us at the core level, at the soul level. Thank you for the invitation to partner with you to accomplish your will in this world. Help us to hear what you want done and give us the courage to partner with you and step out in faith to get it done. And Father, we love you. Thank you for those who put their faith in you today. May you give them the courage to go back and grab a Bible and begin reading. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And next week we start a brand new series. It's going to be Mother's Day. Of course, bring your mothers, okay? And uh, honor your mother by bringing yourself, okay? You're not going to want to miss it. God bless you. Brand new series next week. See you then.